we would we were an event driven business at my prior business, and so we would do a, a three day workshop or an event, and we you know pull in six figures from that event, and so we did that three, four, sometimes five times a year doing that. The challenge with that, it was like in between those months, we didn't have a lot of income coming in. So we'd sell something and then we'd fulfill it for the next couple of months. It really wasn't. Welcome to The Fi Show, where you get a behind the scenes look into financial independence. Here's your host, Cody and Justin. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Fi Show. world's a little crazy right now, but one thing that always remains the same, a great co-host. What's going on, Cody? <laughs> What's up, Justin? I am just in quarantine here in my apartment in Boston, just been hanging out, been going on a lot of walks, a lot of jogs, doing as much as I can to not keep myself from going crazy, being cooped up all the time, but I've definitely been productive, definitely been focusing on fitness, on mind, on wellness. All that good stuff. Fortunately, I'm in a position where I am still able to make money. I really feel for a lot of people who are in the restaurant industry or all these other industries that are losing their jobs. But how about you, man? What's going on in your world? Well, first off, I have to agree with you on the work front and the making money part. Like heart goes out to all those people who've been affected by this because it's a ton. I mean, we just saw the job claims come in over 3 million, which has shattered an old record. I mean, working in tech, you know, I'm fortunate that our jobs just kind of keep going on, but it is making a lot of impacts in myself, my coworkers, my clients, their personal life. And so that's been the big part for me is how to stay like mentally in there, not let it drain on me. My biggest outlet has been working on the camper van. I think in a week or two, she'll be ready to hit the road. And so I think at that point, if we're still pretty locked down, I'm going to try to find some spots where me and Leslie can hit the road and go some places and see some things that don't have to involve being around anyone and, you know, still staying safe. And one thing I wanted to revise, Justin, after the episode came out, I'm like, oh man, now all these new studies came out. Last episode, I mentioned a five-day incubation or latency period, and that was just because that was the median. But some of the studies I've been seeing now, it's like 99% of people are good within 14 days, but there's been some crazy anomaly cases where people are still contagious 20 days without any symptoms. So just be super careful. There have been a lot of people in this space who've been voicing loudly, just default to the assumption that you have the disease and operate from that playing field. If you already think you have the disease, then you're going to be avoiding people. You're not going to be spreading this further because this thing is absolutely nuts. New York has been getting massacred over these past couple weeks. I think as of this recording, they have like 50,000 cases. It's just become a national pandemic. Yeah, Cody, like you said, the best thing to do is just to be safe and to use an abundance of caution because the healthcare workers out there are really getting overwhelmed. And anything we can do to just not add another person onto their plate of work is a huge help to them and something that we can all kind of do our part on. But first, keeping track of your net worth is one of the most important things you can do on your journey to financial independence. If you don't have an idea of what your net worth is, there's no way that you can keep your quote unquote score. One of our favorite tools to keep this score is called personal capital. If you haven't already started using it, it's an online software that basically compiles all of your data, it crunches all your assets, all your liabilities, and spits out a net worth number and allows you to track it day by day, month by month. Yeah, Cody, one of the big things that hold people back when they're doing activities like tracking their expenses or tracking their net worth is just they look at it as a big burden. And this allows you to go in with one username and one password and access as many financial accounts as you have. These can be loans, these can be 401ks, these can be HSAs, bank accounts, credit cards. They're all linked there. 
The other thing I really like about personal capital is it's very investing focused. So you can go in there and look at your allocation across your entire portfolio. So you don't just look at your allocation in one type of account, but your allocation as a person completely. And if you want to use the same tool that me and Cody use to track our net worth, which is completely free, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash PC. That's thefyshow.com slash PC. And so today on The Fi Show, we have Dustin Matthews from WealthFit. And so Dustin starts out as a serial entrepreneur. He's crushing it. He's making six-figure deals, but he doesn't quite have the personal finance thing altogether. He's not saving much money, and he's kicking himself in retrospect. But two years ago, he finally gets on top of his finances. He knows that he needs to save. He needs to widen that gap between his income and his expenses, and he's been off to the races ever since. But I don't want to take away his whole thunder. Take it away, Dustin. <laughs> that was like two years ago. And I know that sounds crazy. And I want to say this. When I got started into this whole world, it was reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You guys read this one. This is a classic book. And so all my, like most of my journey has been entrepreneurship. Start a business, grow that thing, sell it. And I'm going to get this big pot of money, uh, this you know pot at the end of the rainbow, and I'm going to be able to retire for some reason, I never thought to pick up a personal finance book until relatively recently in my journey. And so everything for me was all about hustle, hustle hard, put it back in the business, sell that business one day, and then I'm done. I'm set for life. So if we're going to step back a little bit and say, how did you get into all these entrepreneurial things? And then as you were in them, since you hadn't discovered this kind of movement yet, were you just spending all that money or were you actually good with your money? You just didn't, you weren't educated about it. You know, I... I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I got, ex you know, what's funny is that book is slanted to real estate, even though it's about entrepreneurship. I went to a real estate investor club and I said, listen, teach me how to buy a house and I'll, I'll come work for free. You know, I was looking for my rich dad. And so I was fortunate at the time there was a startup company there. And so essentially I became their chief marketing person because there weren't a lot of people there. And so for me, it was all about growing that business. And then I decided I need to go create my own business because, you know, that's what your rich dad talked about is like, you need to have your own business. You can't work for somebody. And so my personal finance journey, like I was not great with money because I was willing to like rack up my credit cards to buy education or to go to a seminar. I was a gunslinger. And so, and I was very successful at that. But as I kind of look back through my journey, not having some big crazy exit or payday, you know, that you dream about that you see in the movies, uh, it made me think, well, maybe I'm going about this wrong. Maybe it's not all about this big exit. Maybe it's not just about entrepreneurship. Maybe you should be savvier with your money. And so that's when this whole world became possible and available to me is when I had that distinction. And here I am at WealthFit. So can you take us way back? Because that doesn't just happen overnight where, you know, <laughs> you want to be this entrepreneur who sells their $10 million company or whatever that number might be for you. What was it like growing up? Like, did you have an entrepreneurial family? Were there any entrepreneurial tendencies that your parents gravitated you toward? All right. So dad, I didn't get it from dad. Dad taught me discipline. So dad was a USAFA grad, which was he was a US Air Force Academy pilot uh, and graduate. And he got out and he went to the airline. So he taught me discipline. So it wasn't him. But my mother, she was always antsy in her career. She was an auditor. She would make ceramics on the side. She got me into eBay when eBay was launching when before it was, you know, so cool and popular. Well, maybe it's not so popular now because there's other stuff. But at one point it was popular. But even before then, 
And so it was my mother who I always watched that was always like hustling and, and side hustling wasn't even a thing back then. It was like she was creative and she just liked to do things and she'd figure out a way to monetize it. Partly probably because my dad was more the frugal guy. He was more the disciplinarian. And so she always, I think, felt this need to have to monetize it, her passion or her hobby. And she did. And so I grew up sort of with that in the background. And I think I got that entrepreneurship taste from her. And that's what sparked me on on my journey. So I know a lot of times people who get into these entrepreneurial things, they have a lot of different test cases. A lot of things they're trying that some of them just fizzle out. Could you walk us through what that looked like from, you know, whether that's college up till now, just the type of ventures that you attempted to do, maybe which ones actually were successful and which ones fizzled out on you? Well, essentially what happened was I got so excited about this this real estate thing and I found out that real estate wasn't my passion. I mean, I, I've kind of come back to it because of what it can provide. But at the time, what happened was I thought real estate was going to be my thing. And I, I discovered direct response market. I discovered how to build a business, business growth and psychology and sales and communication, something that we all need to, to be great in society, functioning members of society. And I said, man, if I can master marketing, I can chart my own destiny. And so what essentially happened was for three years, I helped build this, this other someone else's company. And then I said, you know what? I've got to go out and do it myself. And so what I would do on the side while I was working this job was I was dabbling with internet marketing. I was trying to build blogs and put AdSense on them and get people to click on it. So I'd get like three pennies and that never really took off. And so essentially... I was a burn the ships, burn the bridge kind of guy. And I basically put my two weeks notice in when I, I recognized I wasn't going to make any more than I made last year at this job. And I said, I got to go out and I got to do it myself. And so I turned to credit cards and I started trying different things. And I was fortunate to stumble into a mastermind where somebody needed marketing help. And I said, listen, I'll come help you. You help me and let's go. And that was the start of that first business selling a course kind of like you, Cody. I found someone that was an expert though in business credit, how to help people get lines of credit for a business. And I said, let me market you online. And so when that came, that was like, that was it for me. That that validated and I had something to pursue now. So did you have like a mentor or anyone in this process? Because it's one thing to have the entrepreneurial mom who's like, making random stuff and selling stuff on eBay, but jumping into this whole online business world completely blind and quitting your job is a whole different arena. So was there someone you looked to or a certain book you read or maybe a certain podcast you listened to or anything that really like said, okay, Dustin, like you can actually do this. This is going to work out. Oh man, podcasts. I, you know, I'm, I know podcasts were a thing back then. They obviously weren't as accessible and, and as easy as they are now. But when you say mentor, I, the first thing that pops into my head is I looked around to my environment. I think we can learn a lot from everybody around us. And maybe that's what not to do, right? Not necessarily what to do. But the two people that, that come to mind is, is number one is Dan Kennedy. So again, I was big into the marketing world and, and business growth. And so he was my first sort of marketing mentor through books. And then eventually I'd work with him one-on-one -on -one, and then I co-wrote a book with him. And so he was a mentor. But even before him, there was this one individual that was working alongside me at this company and he was an independent contractor. He was basically hired to come in and speak and tell people about real estate investing. And he showed me the classics such as, you know, think and grow rich and, you know, rich dad, poor dad and Og Mandino and all these, you know, classic entrepreneurial sales 
sort of books. And he kind of took me under his wing because he saw that spark. And I just basically kept coming back to him because he would give me answers and tell me the next book to read. And I'm really grateful to this day. His name is Curtis that he did that because I wouldn't be here and wouldn't have made it to the next mentor in my life if it, if it weren't for him. One thing I was interested in asking is it sounded like that you discovered this financial space and realized, hey, maybe I should be being a little more savvy with my money, that I was just focusing on this income. But what have you seen now that you have started studying this community that they could learn from like these startup businesses and those kind of mentalities? <laughs> this is good. Man, I thought you were going to go so many different directions with this question. <laughs> and I was, I was hedging against what you were going to ask. So I think you know, a lot of this comes to mindset. I feel like that's like the flavor of the month for me right now in my world. And no matter what journey you're going on, whether it's a financial journey, whether it's a start your own business, a side hustle, you've got to shift your mindset. We get comfortable at certain things. I was very comfortable in entrepreneurship and marketing and sales and not paying attention to my finances. That was easy. It was natural. Just go make more money was my mantra. You know, after 10 years of building a business and, and essentially walking away from that business, not getting some big payday, I look back and I said, man, I really should have made smarter money moves while I was building this business. Why not do both? And I would have been a savvier business owner. And so I think the big advice I would have from the startup world is testing that people could learn whether they're just new to FI or they're just, you know, new to personal finance is you got to test. Like there's, you're not going to know what side hustle you're going to want to do. You're not going to know what hack you're going to enjoy if you don't go out there and just try a bunch of things. And yes, you're going to hate some things. Great. Don't do it. Do something else. There's many ways to do it. And so from the startup world, we test like crazy and we just have to because we got to figure out what works. I love that, man. And I'm such a huge proponent of testing and I love learning from failures. And I know we've talked a little bit off mic learning from failures. Is there any one big lesson or any massive failure that you can point to that has allowed you to realize the success you have today? Yeah. I mean, is, is, I don't know if this is cliche. You guys tell me because you have a lot more of these conversations. I wish I had gotten my mindset better earlier on. My money story, if you want to call it that, how I thought about it wasn't good. It was just go make more. It wasn't, it was really bad. Like if I go over here and budget my money and track my money, that's time not dedicated to growing. And I'd rather go work on something creative and I hate numbers. And so all this sort of head trash around money and my escape was essentially just go make it, go create. Like, I'm not saying that's bad, like go do both. And if you want to take control of your life and your financial you know, path, you've got to get better in all areas. And so I think my biggest failure is not recognizing this earlier on that I, I should be savvy. Money's not always just going to come out of the sky because I'm able to create it. What if I get hurt? What if the business market changes? What, what if something happens? And so not only should I be building independence or a machine that creates passive income and wealth, I should also be savvy with my money so that if anything were to happen, I'm flexible. I have options. I'm not beholden to a certain path. So we spent a decent amount of time talking about life before discovering it, You know how you weren't making a focus on being savvy with your money and making those right money moves as you're talking about. But now, once you did that, once you discovered the space, once you started taking it to heart, what did it tangibly look like? Because you know you mentioned before it was all about, I'll just make more money. It sounds like you started to make a change there, but not just mentally what the change was. Tactically, what did that look like when you started thinking, I could be a little more savvy and efficient with this money? 
Well, quite frankly, to be open, raw, and vulnerable is I had a lot of tough conversations, not only with myself and where I was in life, and I, I think that's natural for certain people, but also with my spouse. And so, you know, not only were we not on the same page financially, you know, with money, we, we both had different stories about it. And so I'll tell you, it wasn't fun, but they always say like right before the breakthrough is a breakdown. And so definitely had a lot of those, but now we're on that same page. And so physically, what does that look like? Well, it started with me getting a Google Doc. Sure, I downloaded all those cool financial apps, but, you know, something was weird. Like it, it was like, you know, I learned this in business as a copywriter. They told me to take a sales letter, something that was effective, that worked online and rewrite it by hand, even though I could type it out or I could passively read it. When you sit there and you have to rewrite it by hand, there's something you learn in that physical nature of pen to paper or, or pencil to paper. So in that same way, I wasn't doing that. I didn't take, you know, a pencil and actually do finance. I'd actually opened up a Google Doc, which, you know, it's not the most exciting thing in the world for me, but I've come to appreciate that. And I literally on a day-by-day -day basis track finances. And I know there are people out there that say you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go that to that level. But I felt like that was necessary for me having never done it in my life. I needed to see where the money was going, how it was flowing, where the crazy expenses were. I needed to see it all. And so where that's shown up physically for me is now I know where money goes. I've cut some of those expenses, things I never thought about before. An example would be cell phone plans, you know, same level of service at a cheaper rate. Was I really needing all those TV channels? You know, I got young kids. Do I want them watching TV? Am I watching TV? All that stuff, right? And so I was able to get responsibility and control over my finances by going to that level of detail. So as a, I'll call you a quote unquote business guy, like you seem like you're just great at building businesses. I've seen the work you've done. How has learning more about personal finance and learning about your own personal budget shaped the way you spend money in your business? Because for myself, I find myself to be very stingy sometimes, and I almost have to convince myself to want to outsource, to want to take that extra course, to want to buy that program that will make my business 10 times better. So I'd love to hear your take on this. Well, that comes natural to me because like, it's funny. I think we all have our, our own way of looking at an expense and it's, this shows up in my relationship with my wife. And so it's funny because she'll question me, like if it comes to education or business growth, or it's going to improve our life, like I, like it's an unlimited budget, especially if I have a business to write it off in that, that was always my, my program. Now I've been more mindful. I really think, do I really need, you know, 17 books on this? Probably not because I haven't read the other 16. And so now I take another, you know, extra second to, to really look at that. You know, I still slant towards personal growth. If I can educate myself, that's one asset no one can take away from me. I am willing to invest a great deal. And so now that I've been on this journey, I've been savvier about my moves. And, and one particular example I think of is like, you know, I have participating whole life insurance that I use now. And I think about like if we had used those instruments. And I, I heard Bezos use this very early on at Amazon and maybe still does to this day, but using, you know, these financial instruments in conjunction with what you do in a business gives you extreme leverage. And so now I start to think about that is how can I use these tools in the business to help it grow outside of the thing that it normally does to generate income? So this is shifting gears a little bit, but I'm curious about the podcast that you've started and created like the origins behind it, the things that you've started seeing by not only practicing this in your own life, but interviewing other people who are talking about it and just getting yourself more in depth in it. You know, where did it come from? Where did the idea come from? 
<laughs> you want to know the real story? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so get this. So essentially, my journey to WellFit was I exited the previous business and I took time off. You know, I created the space. I was talking with Grant earlier and we talked about creating the space, not hustling so hard that you miss opportunities in front of you. And so that's what I did. Fortunately, I took time off from that business and then I started calling people. And one of the people uh, that I called was Andy, who's my partner now at WellFit. He had already started it. And so I came out and, and joined them. And so we're sitting around the table and he said, you know what? The vision that I see for WellFit, because he's our CEO, the vision that I, I see for it is we're going to have a podcast. And I'm like, oh, that's great. I like that idea. I always wanted to start one of those. And I'm like, who do you think should do it? And uh, we have a third partner. His name is Justin. And so they already know where this is going. Like I'm oblivious. And they're like, you were a speaker guy, like you used to speak for a living. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's one way communication, a podcast, you got to have a dialogue and ask questions. And I'm like, all right, I get it. And so essentially I was appointed to do the podcast, but I, but I essentially welcomed it for sure. And, and the reason why is this, man, I am getting paid essentially through revenue from sponsorship, from how we monetize here. But all of us essentially have the ability to have a podcast, get access to experts, you know, in all different points of the journey and just learn. And it's a built in mechanism. Like if you put out a show X times per week, you just have that built in versus if you're at home and you're like, man, I'd really love to pick up the phone and, and talk to Cody about you know starting that side hustle, you may or may not do that. But if you've got that pressure of a podcast and putting out a show, you simply have to do it. And so the transformation not only in, in me has been remarkable, but the team members that are here that are part of the crew and then also, you know, the community that we're building, you know, appreciates that we're adding this layer of value to their lives. So I feel like we definitely jumped over uh, at least a sizable gap in your life. So we talked about when you joined that first startup, you quit your nine to five job that you hated. You teamed up with that guy and you made that course about credit or it was something along those lines. That's right. Yep. And then somewhere in between, you built like a seven figure public speaking business. And I think you had several other ventures in there too before you went and joined WealthFit. So could you just fill in the gap and talk about a few of those entrepreneurial years as well? We'll be right back after a quick word from one of our sponsors. Today's sponsor is one I use on a daily basis in my company, Gold City Ventures. That is the sound of a sale in your Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify now also powers in-person selling? Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store or small business. Accept payments, manage inventory, they have everything. Shopify brings together your in-person and online sales business into one source of truth, one dashboard, everything in one place. You know exactly what's going on. And now they have all these customization options. They have plug and play tools that you can integrate with Instagram or TikTok or wherever. You can take your payments by phone or by tablet. Shopify makes it easy. Plus, if you have any questions, their support team is there to help you. I know we have a lot of entrepreneurs in this audience and Shopify POS just breaks down that barrier to accepting payments with your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash show, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash show to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash show. Now back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm glad you're holding me accountable here in this journey because <laughs> uh, there are gaps. So I was at that the real estate company. I left that. We did the business credit thing. And so the next part of that was one of the things that I did in that journey, uh, I created basically a product with an expert. I wasn't it, but I, I could market. And so I found an expert. We created a product. I did this thing called a product launch, which is where you get a bunch of people that have influence, have social media followings or email lists at the time. And they all promote and sort of take over the marketplace, if you want to talk about it through email. 
a product. And so someone saw me do that at Business Credit and uh, the product, and they said, hey, why don't you come back and do this over in the, in the real estate category? We know you have you know, this background in, in real estate education. Why don't you come help us do this product launch? And so I did, and then I became addicted to the money because they became the rage and people were throwing money essentially at these product launches. I was a part of that. And so I said, okay, I'm going to follow the money. And so I did. And so I did these product launches, but you know, after doing them, I woke up one day and I said, man, this is a lot of work. I'm making actually a lot of money for other people and not myself on the grand scheme of it. Cause there's this whole back end and, you know, long-term, you know, wealth sort of stuff that I wasn't participating in. And so I said, you know what, I need to build a true business, not just random acts of, of income as I like to call it. And so what ended up happening was I had a former Actually, my boss at the the real estate company came back to me and he's like, hey, I'm about to file bankruptcy. I need to make some money. And I'm like, okay, what do you want to do? And he's like, I think we should do a seminar and we should invite people to come down to Tampa and we should teach them what I know, which is speaking. And I said, okay, great. And I said, you know what? Everyone's asking me about these product launches and marketing. I'll teach on that. And so kind of like you guys got together and you've got your own, you know, views on the world and, and way you communicate. We did that same thing. And then we built that business for nine years, multiple seven figures in that run. And as I kind of hinted at before, I exited that business having woken up one day, just determining it's, I was done. I was just through. And so here I is at WealthFit. So you're sitting there and you've built up these businesses. You've got this speaking thing going on. You're talking about these seven figure incomes. Once that's all said and done and you start walking away from it, where were you actually financially? Because it sounds like this might still be in that part of your story where you're not super savvy on your personal finances. Yeah, that's right. So where I was at financially, you know, we would we were an event-driven business at my prior business. And so we would do a, a three-day workshop or an event and we'd, you know, pull in six figures from that event. And so we did that three, four, sometimes five times a year doing that. The challenge with that, it was like in between those months, we didn't have a lot of income coming in. So we'd sell something and then we'd fulfill it for the next couple of months. It really wasn't, I don't call it a business because I couldn't walk away from it. It was just a high paying job, even though I was a, technically a, a business owner. And so at the end of it, we, we'd pull money out and there'd be some months where we're scraping by and we wouldn't take a salary. And then we'd do an event, fill it, and we'd make more money. What I was doing at the time was my family was starting to grow. I knew I needed to buy a house or I had wanted to buy a house. I was a big proponent still of real estate. I had a couple false starts doing pre-construction stuff, the bad investments, managed to get out of them. And so I took uh, most of the cash flow and I put it into this house in St. Petersburg, which is where I would live. And it had a mother-in-law suite in the back. So I was thinking, how can I make this house that I'm going to live in with my family? How can I make it cash flow at some point? And so I was taking the money that I was making at this previous company and I was putting it all into the rehab and it was a lot. It, it kind of got out of control. And so essentially at the end of this, at the end of my journey, I wake up one day and I said, I don't want to do this. I need to tell my partners. And so it's, I negotiated my own exit. And so I walked away with a lump sum of money, but it wasn't enough to sustain me. It wasn't definitely a FI number. I knew at that point I needed to do something. Not that I would take off anyway, but I know I needed to go find that next thing. And so for me, I very much only had X amount of income to sustain me and my family. I had to go do that next thing. And so WellFit is the start of really that journey. When you're talking about doing these multiple, you know, six, seven times a year, six-figure deals, 
But then you also talk about scraping by. I just was kind of curious, like how those two things intersect. As somebody like ourselves who, you know, we don't hardly spend any money. How do you find yourself just scraping by? Is that because those six figure deals is just gross and you weren't actually netting very much? Or how did that work out? A little bit of both. I mean, to be quite transparent with you. So we'd, we'd bring in, let's say we did an event. We would bring in in one weekend, a quarter million dollars in revenue. Now, where that money would go, just just from one three-day event, now there was work to get people there and then you had to fulfill. So it wasn't like we're done after that. But the trap was we have an event, we got 100 people there. Well, naturally the next event you want an, a 150. And so the ego, which ran a lot of my life prior, was I need to put more into it. So let's hire more people. Let's put more into ad spend. And so yes, we would take in 250, quarter mil in in a weekend, but we would put it out into fulfillment. We paid high sales commissions to people. And so we were feeding a lot of mouths and then we were tempted by growth to bring on more people and to invest in sponsorships and to do all this activity and without looking at, is this really bringing me an ROI? And so I just think about all the dollars that we've thrown at things and didn't get a return for the sake of business, for the sake of ego, for being seen that didn't lend itself there. And truly, if I were to look at the number in terms of man hours, cost of flight, if I were to look at it, I would say we weren't incredibly profitable at the end of the day like we thought we were. But I, I think there was this fear. I know there, there was, was this fear to go to that level of detail and looking at the profitability because I, I think I inherently knew. So let's kind of talk about when you joined WealthFit, just to get an idea of timeline. So what year was it when you joined WealthFit? So I exited the prior business in 2017 and in early 2018, so two years since joining the crew at WellFit. And so it sounds like WellFit was kind of the genesis for this personal finance breakthrough. Could you talk about how that worked and why joining WellFit was that breakthrough moment for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the conversation was this. So when I exited, and I remember it was great. It was October, so it was Halloween. And I was in St. Petersburg, Florida. I was making pumpkin muffins with my with my sons. We were building sandcastles in the backyard. It was great. I could be present for once because I wasn't worrying about a business. And so what happened was I, I got on the phone and I called around to everybody in, in the industry, all my friends. And I said, hey, what's going on in the world? How can I bring you value? As you know, I talked to Andy and Andy's like, hey, we started this thing. And he's like, we're serving the real estate market. I'm like, eh, I've already done that. And then he, he told me the vision. He's like, listen, we want to empower people financially in personal finance, in investing with side hustles and entrepreneurship, and then give them the soft skills such as you know leadership and time management and all that. And I said, hmm. I said, that personal finance thing, I wish I had been wiser about that when I was building this previous business. I can get behind that message. And so what I said is, you know what? I screwed up as an entrepreneur not because I didn't have some big exit, but I screwed up because I wasn't wise and savvy with my own personal money, which you know I could have been savvier with the business's money as well as a part of that. And so I said, I can get behind that. And so that's what really lit my fires. I have to believe in something. I have to get passionate about it. And I said, that's the message I'm going to take to the world. Not that everyone's going to be an entrepreneur and, and understand or resonate with that message, but that's one of the, the core components. And so For me, not only was this an opportunity to jump into another startup, which I love, this was an opportunity to personally grow. And at the same time, my journey, share that with others that find themselves in a similar situation. So you've talked a couple of times about your family, your spouse, your kids, and you're talking about taking on this new philosophy of personal finance and not only just practicing, but also preaching it. 
Did you find any difficult or awkward moments where you're trying to bring that back into the household, going from this type of spending profile you were at at one point in your life to probably something a lot more conservative? Was there any issues there with the family? Can I just answer that with a yes? <laughs> I'm just I'm just playing with you. Yeah, I mean every day I think because you know we have these old ways of being, we have these old patterns and and you know what's what's interesting about this from I don't know a mindset or metaphysics standpoint, we lived in St. Petersburg, Florida. We now live in San Diego. So what's interesting about that is San Diego's no joke. Cost of living out here is crazy compared to Florida. There's income tax out here. So it's interesting that here I was spending a lot of money, not mindful about my finances in Florida, where you technically could afford to be a little sloppier, you know, if you want to call it that. Now I'm in San Diego where I really need to be on point, right? Because cost of living's a lot more out here. And so I thought, I think this is a life lesson for me. This is going to get me really good because if I can live here, you know, I can live anywhere, right? And so, yes, having conversations with the spouse saying, listen, you know, I know we, we used to do this. We now have three kids too, which adds to it. We had one more kid out here now in San Diego. So that added, a, you know, a new lifestyle shift. And so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say every day anymore, but like less now on a frequency because now we're both on that same page. But it was very difficult to come in and say, you know, hey, listen, I think we should cut this because, you know, we have this debt or, you know, we can get to financial independence. We can get to where we want to go, you know, as a family unit a whole lot quicker. But like we're going to have to change how we look at spending on going out to eat dinner. Like that's something that we would do big time because we had the kids and, you know, we just didn't want to be at home. So. And so I know we touched on just a tiny little piece of what WealthFit is. I mean, you guys do a ton of stuff over there and Justin asked you about the podcast, but what is WealthFit, Dustin? Uh, I like to say it's the Netflix because I think a lot of people enjoy their Netflix. It's the Netflix of wealth education. And so here's our belief. Very much like the journey of so many others on this path, money is an important thing in everyone's lives. And so budgeting, savings, retirement strategy, taxes, everybody has to to deal with that. Or they can do like I did in the past and put their head in the sand, but they're not going to get to where they, they truly want to go. So we create courses around that. And I shouldn't say we, people that are out there in the community that are experts that have followings that put out books, we seek them out to create courses around that topic. Now, as the journey goes, once you get better with your, your finances, you should boost your active income ideally and do a side hustle, right? That's what you got. You know, you talk about Cody a lot, do a side hustle. So we have instructors that teach, you know, here's a side hustle for you to consider an Airbnb business or how to flip gold and silver and precious metals, like how you can do that as a side hustle. So we have that. And then finally, what you want to do is put that money to work for you and invest it. And so we create courses in all areas because we realize people are at different parts of the journey and will benefit. And so WellFit is a platform that provides financial education in all those areas online so that you can you know, pursue your wealth journey. So one thing I wanted to ask about is earlier when you're talking about WellFit and you were talking about the podcast, you mentioned, you know, this is a way where you're essentially getting paid to get to talk to these experts, get to kind of pick their brain. And, you know, me and Cody are lucky enough to get to do the same thing on the side, you know, obviously, but we get to do the same thing. We get to interview people. But oftentimes there are people who are within this financial space. It's kind of people that you would imagine talking to. And we've never had any A-list celebrities. And so I'm about to get to pull the same thing that you're talking about. I get to ask you whatever question I want to ask. And so I'm just really curious, 
How did it come about to interview Dennis Rodman, and what was that like? <laughs> oh, that was fun. So the the full on story is this: I would say this this is a lesson in in value creation. You know, at, at the end of the day, oh man, this is going to seem crazy. We're all you know some day going to leave this planet. I softened it a little bit. We're all one day going to leave this planet, and and I still believe no matter what you do, whether you build a business whether you're a leader of your community, whatever, you know, you work with other employees or, or team members, whatever you do, you should always provide value to people, leave the planet better than you found it. And so I came with this mindset into what I'm doing now. And I volunteered based on my past career in the whole speaking arena and business. And I volunteered my skills, basically my experience at this other company, a sister company of ours. And I said, listen, if I can be of value, let me know. And they're like, well, you know, we want to get this big speaker this year. We want to up our level. They run a big conference of 4,000 real estate investors. We want to get a big name. Well, on the podcast, I had interviewed Magic Johnson's agent and got him actually to create a course for us at WealthFit on how to attract high-end clients. And so I said, you know what, let me reach out to him and see if we can get magic. And so they're like, okay, that'd be good. And so I'm talking with the agent and he tells me what the price is. I go back to the company and they're like, whoa, sticker shock, right? Like we never spent that kind of money before, but I'm like, well, you said you wanted to do something different. So essentially I go back, I try to negotiate and basically the agent comes back and says, magic doesn't negotiate. Now I'm also doing this because I'm thinking I'm getting magic Johnson on the pocket. We're going to engineer into the speaking fee well-fit appearance, right? So add value, but like, you know, I could be self-interested too. And so magic doesn't negotiate. Fee's not coming down and he doesn't do podcasts. Dang, that was like a gut punch. So I hang up the phone, but then I'm like, wait a minute, he's an agent. He doesn't just represent one client. Like that's the worst thing in business, have one client, have one source of income, right? Like that's the worst thing. And so I pick up the phone and I said, wait a minute. Hey, I think we can do this deal but you got to give me something here. And he says, you know what? Dennis Rodman has this 30 for 30. If you'll come up to him, which is an hour drive from where I am to where he lives and you make it easy and rent a hotel room, then we'll get him on the show as long as you you promote hard and you know talk about his 30 for 30. And so that's how the deal got done. And it, it was because I came with value. Now, how did the actual interview experience go? Rodman's a pro, an amazing guy. You could just feel when you walk into that room because we did it live, you could just feel like this guy has been through a lot of life, right? Like he's just ran that body ragged through all the things that he's done and been a part of. You could just feel that off of him, but he was a consummate pro, fascinating individual. And he might not have been as on brand as a, a well fit, but I said, you know what, where else are you going to get an opportunity like this? And I did ask him what his best money move was. He joked about it. He said divorce, um, <laughs> but that was his money lesson that I'll pass on to you. But that's how that went down. That is awesome, man. It must have been an amazing experience and super cool because that's our goal for this year. We want to get like one A-list celebrity type of person. So that's awesome. I also know you had like Danica Patrick and you had Kevin Williams on. You had a bunch of really awesome people. Yeah, just build value. Well, Dustin, this has been an absolute blast having you on the podcast, sharing your journey from quitting that job to becoming a full-blown serial entrepreneur to becoming a co-founder of WealthFit and now doing all this awesome stuff online, creating courses, creating awesome content, interviewing the man who is best friends with Kim Jong-un, super cool stuff. If people want to connect, hear more about you, hear more about your journey, where is the best place for them to do that? By far, the best place is to continue the conversation. We have a show called the Get WealthFit Show. You can check it out at getwealthfit.com. That redirects right to it or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you, if you want to engage on social media, I welcome it. 
And uh, you can find me at Dustin Matthews in a lot of places online. Awesome, Dustin. And one thing that we always make sure to ask our guests is for a piece of advice. So if you had one piece of tangible advice for someone who's on their path to financial independence, what would that be? It's not going to sound sexy. It's not going to sound exciting, but it's clarity. To, to wrap it up in one word is clarity is what is it that, that you want? When you know what you want, you can build a plan to anything and you can get people to help you with that plan. The challenge is, I'm speaking to myself a lot, we didn't know, I didn't know what I truly wanted. And as I've gotten clearer, things have happened a whole lot quicker, stress has gone down, and I've had a lot more fun. Awesome, man. Love that one. All right. So now the most important question of the podcast. This is the wild card question. We do not prepare for this whatsoever. I'm not prepared. Justin's not prepared. So Dustin, you're definitely not prepared, but are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it. All right, man. So you are a side hustler. You are an online business guy. You are an entrepreneur. What is the strangest or craziest way that you've made money, whether it's like some side hustle or some one-off thing? I don't know if it's the craziest thing, but one of the things I did very early on was I learned how to string tennis rackets, put the string in rackets. And so that helped me big time. And so I went to Florida State University, graduated from there. I was a tennis nut, volunteered to work for the tennis team, strung tennis rackets, got paid to do that. But they would always have a tennis tournament once a year up there. And I strung professional tennis rackets. Not the weirdest thing, but uh, not a lot of people know you can make money stringing tennis rackets. Definitely not, man. That is awesome. Well, Dustin, just want to say one more time, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a really interesting story around you know being entrepreneurial, starting these businesses, going out and trying some unique, interesting things, seeing what these huge transactions of money look like, and then coming around later in life to finding this idea of financial independence. And then finally, you know your work that you're doing now with WealthFit. So thanks so much for coming on the show and giving us some time. Thanks for having me. You guys are a trip and thank you for paying it forward. And thanks for having me on the show. Well, Cody, it was fun to get to be on the other side of the microphone with Dustin after we were on his show. So what did you think about the episode? Yeah, when I met Dustin, actually, I know we mentioned the SkiCon event I went to in our last episode. I met him at SkiCon, super cool guy. And we had already kind of booked the podcast in advance, but I actually got to know him a lot better. And it was really exciting to pick apart his story because like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, he was this guy who was just crushing it on the income front. He was a serial entrepreneur. He had all these successful businesses, all these successful ventures, but that didn't exactly equate into him being a personal finance master as he talks about in the episode. And I just found that super interesting. We haven't had too many people with that type of narrative on the show. It's definitely an interesting angle because it seems like you would either normally have someone who is struggling, who has a moment where they realize they got to take control of things, or you have someone who is just kind of naturally frugal and then via these high incoming jobs, they're just going heavy towards FI. But to have somebody who is making a really good income, who has no necessity to really change, but then to have a moment where they wake up and realize that even though they don't really have to, that it's going to be a big benefit if they do. And to see that actually play out, I hope will be inspiring for people out there who maybe come across the podcast and are earning a good wage and feel like there's no need for me to be frugal. Well, maybe Dustin's story can kind of help convince them of that. And I mean, in that real estate business, when he started selling out those conferences, he said him and his co-founder, they were doing six figures in a weekend. So we're not talking about little sums of money. Like Dustin was really raking it in. He was absolutely crushing it. And at the same time, he kind of discovered that that was not his purpose. He did not like waking up and doing that every single day. 
he knew that it wasn't his calling. And so when his buddy Andy hit him up from WealthFit and he's like, hey man, I'm doing this thing where I'm going to help people with personal finance. I'm going to help them develop a strong mindset. I'm going to help them get to the next level of their life and hit all their goals. Dustin was like, hell yeah, that is exactly how I want to be spending my time. And he's been doing that ever since. Another interesting thing that Dustin talked about was this idea of finding clarity because he never knew exactly what he wanted. You know, he had these big deals in front of him that he was chasing. He's making a lot of money. But I think a lot of us have come to know that that is not the end all be all. Like money only takes you so far. Once you get past being able to like pay your necessities and have your extra spending money, then it starts to kind of devalue. Like you're not getting as much from that money as you did when it first started. And if you don't have something that you are really passionate about and that you find a purpose in, you're not going to be happy regardless of how big those checks are. And it's just cool to hear somebody kind of walk through that and talk about the introspection that it takes to find out what you really want and what really makes you feel like a full person. And a little maybe unexpected side benefit is that Dustin gets to talk to all these super cool people. I know in our goals episode, Justin, I talked about having some A-list celebrities on the podcast. This guy's had Dennis Rodman, Danica Patrick, Kevin Williams from Shark Tank. This guy's talking to some really high power folks, and I'm kind of jealous a little bit. So that might have not been the reason Dustin got into this whole well fit thing and joined his buddy Andy at the company. But that is pretty freaking cool. <laughs> and now it's time for the call to action. Cody, the call to action today is a pretty simple one, and it's almost like an anti-action. It's to slow down a little bit, to stop charging for quite so many things if you feel like you're juggling too much, but you still haven't found your purpose. So just slow down a little bit, reassess where you are in life and what you're going after, and think about what your goals really are. And once you have those goals outlined, is everything that you're doing now getting you towards those goals? And if not, just try to think of one thing that you can do that'll help you get a little closer to your goals. And then once you get there, just keep adding on and stacking and eventually you'll get there. That is an awesome call to action, man. I'm a huge proponent of making sure that your goals align with all the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. And so if you guys want to check in, you want to read the detailed show notes, you want to check out his website, WealthFit, you can do all of that at our show notes at thefyshow.com slash Dustin. And as always, if you want to check out our Facebook group page, you can do so at thefyshow.com slash community. And we always appreciate those five-star reviews. They help us get great guests like we had today. And if you're interested in supporting The Fi Show, you can do so by checking out some of our partners over at the resources page, which can be found at thefyshow.com slash resources. And thanks for listening. Hey, real quick before you go, I just want to remind you that I have made my personal like budget and net worth tracking spreadsheet available. The very same one that I use to track my net worth from $38,000 to over $1.2 million available for free on our website at thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet. So you can go download that today. That's thefyshow.com slash spreadsheet.